by our own will, by our own humanity, and what we're capable of. But I'm here to tell you that we serve a God. He created all things. It's hard for our human minds to fathom who God is. He's bigger than our minds. He covers all space. It's impossible for us to understand. I was speaking to someone of encouragement this morning, even with this podium. It was created by someone. Now I may make some alters or repairs to it by what I think I know about it. But the creator of it can make it whole. Put it back together again. That's the God that you're worshiping right now. You don't have to have God. Because if God said it, you can believe it, that it's done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you now, I'm not a hype man. So if you're going to serve God, you got to do it on your own. You can't expect that I'm going to come up here and encourage you for what you showed up to church for. Amen. If you need deliverance or healing, if you need the power of God moving in your life, step out. Step out. Step out on faith. Step out into the aisle. Step into the altar. Step into a time of worship. Lift up God. Magnify Him. He's in the house. Hey, Lord. Hey, Thank you, Dr. Hype Man Parks. 
He said, I'm not here to get you hyped, but I, then I don't know what I was. <laughs> I was feeling pretty hyped. Children's Church, y'all go ahead and go back there and you, you, are, you are safe from this experience that we are about to go through. Unluckily for those 12 and up, you're with me for the next two hours. And uh, joking, just joking, just joking, just joking. I want to uh, welcome all of our guests here this morning. Uh, if this is your first time, welcome. Uh, I'm glad you're here. Uh, I am curious. I'm always curious what people are thinking and feeling about what's going on around here. You may be seated. Because uh, I know what I was thinking and I was feeling when I first came to this apostolic Pentecostal, one God, tongue-talking, holy rolling, born-again, heaven-bound believer in the name of Jesus Church. I was quite taken back at what these folks here consider church. Because it is nothing like what I'd ever seen. My dad took us to a Catholic church a few times growing up. My grandma and grandpa were part of the Latter-day Saints church. And I, every about once a year I'd go see, you know, a couple times. So when I came here, I was quite taken back by all the things. Like from start to finish, I was totally blown away. But I tried it my way. I'd done all the things I knew to do to be the man that I was trying to be, and I was failing at that. And I said to God, well, I guess we're going on a journey together, and we're going to figure this thing out, and I landed here. And before, I really felt like before I could judge the thing, I needed to participate in the thing. I needed to open myself up fully to the thing. I needed to take my questions and not throw them away because we're, we're supposed to be thoughtful and we're supposed to you know, work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. But I took all the questions and I took all the, 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 the raised eyebrows and I kind of put them in my pocket. And I would take them to God in prayer as I learned to pray, as I learned to communicate with the King of Kings. And I'm kind of still doing that. <laughs> it's kind of like I'm still in that mode because there's a lot of things about God and the Spirit and church and all the religion and stuff that still sometimes I get a raised eyebrow at. And I'm like, what is going on here? But I take that and I put it in my pocket and I bring it out in prayer because God continues to do really cool stuff. And I can't explain it away. And so I'm like, well, I guess this is what we're doing because it's working out pretty good. My family at home at first called me crazy, thought I was part of a cult. But over the course of time, most of them have been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost and so on. No one, no one looks at me sideways anymore when I go home. They do kind of duck and dive a little bit when it gets close to Sunday because they're afraid I'm going to ask them to come to church. <laughs> I want to give honor to God today. Thank you. I thank him for hearing my cry many, many years ago 
being patient with me over time as I'm trying to figure this thing out and just be used of them. I want to honor my wife this morning. She's back there with the, the kids. She's always been a support to me. Cheryl McGordon is truly a Proverbs 31 wife. Um, she, and she's not in here. And you can bleep it from the records, just, you know, just, just between me and you, you know. Um, she is, and, and I definitely don't deserve her, and I try very hard not to take her for granted. And when, when you found the right woman, you found a good thing. And uh, I just, for all you men out there, and all you ladies out there that are on the prowl, you're on the hunt, that you're, you're you know, which is to be expected, don't settle because of whatever. Under, make sure that you lay your boundaries out straight, lay them out strong, and let God lead the way. He will provide. He will make a way. There is someone for everyone, I believe, out there at some point, unless you have the calling of Saul on your life, and this has spoken to you, I believe that there is a help meet out there for you. I want to thank God for my boys. I call them boys, but they're both really kind of becoming men, but they're always going to be my boys. Um, Samuel, just so proud of him. He graduated this week yeah. from the, uh, the firefighter training center out there in Jessup. Probably one of the hardest things he's ever done in life so far. And uh, we say so far because we all know that life continues to take us on trips. And we're going to have to gird up our boots and, and get through it. And I'm proud of him for getting through this. And I'm excited for him. I just want to say how proud I am of Michael McGordon. He just, he keeps me on my toes. He, you know, it's definitely a very interesting journey with this young man. He's got a lot to offer the world. And uh, I'm, I'm excited and nervous all at the same time. Um, we're going into his senior year this year. So obviously anyone who has kids who were going into their senior year know that that's a very interesting time uh, for young people and their parents. And I care a lot, so I'm on pins and needles, but I know God's got it and everything's gonna be cool. Just wanna say how good it is to see Gio this weekend. Yeah. Driving all that way down from Kentucky. Joining us for the weekend. So good to see the, the man that he is becoming. So proud of him. And I can never, uh, I can never leave this pulpit especially since I'm not up here every Sunday, um, without giving honor to Elder Wilson, the founder of our congregation here. I, uh, I sometimes wonder, and I just ask God, hey, would you mind giving Brother and Sister Wilson a, just a quick peek into what's going on here so they can see that all the things that they did before is, is amounting to this wonderful atmosphere that we're able to create. People can come in here and truly interact with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And uh, hopefully they're able to see in here and be proud of what uh, God is doing. Godly proud, of course. Uh, thank you to all the other ministers here at whatever level in which we minister for for anyone in here that's taken up the mantle of servanthood in the kingdom of God at whatever level. I just, I honor you today. I thank you for the service that you provide to the kingdom, whether we see it or we don't, uh, because it's, some of our ministries just aren't out there in the open. And I just want you, I want to take this chance to tell you God sees it and he honors it and he's going to bless you for it and you're going to get your reward. Amen. Amen.
and no doubt do we need to, we, we got to take a minute to honor the Crushfields. Just some awesome folks. I feel like I was just lucky to be here when they got here and all the cool stuff that's happened ever since. It's just so neat to see all the people and all the things that have been done and just God being God. Uh, such a cool thing and such a really neat team to be a part. I'm honored to be a part of this team. All right. Strapping. Ready to go. 1985. I was seven years old. And Nintendo came out with the NES, the Nintendo Entertainment System. You know, I wasn't, we didn't grow up in church or anything like that, but I should have known back then that there was a God because some way, somehow, my parents got me the NES, the Nintendo. You know, looking back at it as I was putting this together, I, I had like a revelation. I really don't think they got it for me. I would come home from school and my dad would be sitting there and he, he, he was, hey Dave, look I got to level 42 on this game. And I, I think even then I was wondering, what is this grown man doing all day at the house? But that's probably the extent of it. I just wanted him to hurry up and get off so I could get on the game, you know. Well, one of those games that we ended up playing for on this Nintendo was Contra. Anybody remember Contra? Yes, sir. Right. Yeah. A very fun but frustrating game. You and one other person, if you if you so choose, if you had a second paddle, you could work. You could do this journey together in Contra. You you traveled across multiple landscapes with your guns and. You shot at things that were flying at you. You jumped over things that were trying to kill you. You jumped uh, over big holes of death that you, and you tried to get to the end of the level and you got to the end of the level and then you go to the next level that had its own dangers and its own fireballs that would fly at you. And so your mission was to, to get through all the levels and get to the end for some reason. I don't even remember what the goal of the game was, but, but the goal obviously was not to die. See, some folks just don't understand, uh, some of the younger folks probably just don't understand how difficult it was to play video games then compared to now. When you died in a video game in 1985, that was it. You Game over. Everything that you had just done, just throw it in the garbage. Start over. Try again. They eventually started coming out with memory cards you could plug in there and save some progress so you didn't have to start over. But that's just not the way it was in 1985 with the Nintendo Entertainment System. So it's very frustrating to invest all this time and energy and trying to jump and move and dodge and duck and shoot and just all of a sudden you turn this corner and this thing hits you in the head and you're dead. Start over. Two hours of your life just, just wasted. You didn't, now you gotta start all over again. And in this particular game, you were given three lives. You were given three chances. When you got hit with the fireball, if you go bloop, 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 and you pop right back in, you had another chance, but you only got three. And 
I never made it past like level one or two. I was terrible at this game. My, my brothers and sisters, we'd all fight over the paddles and my friends would come over and we'd watch each other and be like, ooh, 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 ooh. And like every time, you know, my sister Jennifer would always get hit by this fireball at this one point. Or, or my brother, he would never be able to jump over this thing. He just couldn't get it down right. We'd all be like, oh, my turn, my turn. You know, so it just over and over and over. We try, we try, but we never got past those first few levels, but then one day, I can't for the life of me figure out how this happened to you, because nowadays, you see it on Facebook, or somebody texts you, or, or some kind of social media lets you know the big secret, but somehow, I was told the secret to this game. Somehow, I found out the secret to this game. There is a secret code in Contra, where if you put this code in at this start screen, you can no, go back quick. If you put the code in at, at this, this screen, you get 30 extra lives. The developer of the game, it was so hard that the developer of the game made a code so that when he went in to play and test the game, he would have 30 extra lives and they forgot to take it out of the game. They didn't realize it was in the game until they were already mass producing the game and they didn't want to waste money so they just left the code in. And the code, don't pull up the slide yet. I want to I test the congregation. The code is up, up. We had one that made it to the end. You ready, Brother Steve? Go ahead. It was up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, star. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, star. If you put the secret code in, before you started the game, you would get 30 extra lives to try to make it to the end of the game. Such a cool thing. You know, you feel like, I, I, I feel kind of weird about it now as an adult, because like, everybody knows it. And like, obviously not everybody knows it, because we only had like four people in your head. But, and, and, and because it was such a popular thing, it's all throughout all these video games now, you see Easter eggs and like movies and stuff up, up, down, down, everywhere. There's a few people like, <laughs> I get it. You know, so there's a secret code, right? And so with this secret code, I was able to get extremely further in my game. I mean, I was able to, you know, have a lot more tries per opportunity to try. Now, even in that, I don't think I ever finished the game. <laughs> I, I was trying to rack my brain and figure out, did I actually ever finish the game? But truly, I think... More video games came out for the Nintendo, and I ended up playing those, and Contra just went to become one of those games that sits on the shelf to be spoken of 40 years later. First Samuel. First Samuel. 17 and 40 says, And he took his staff in his hand, and he chose him five smooth stones. Everybody say, five smooth stones. out of the brook and he put them in a shepherd's bag which he had even in a script and his sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. So for a few minutes if you guys don't mind I'd like to talk about try again. Try again. Brother Cruz can you pray for us real quick?
Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, obviously, we begin our journey together here today with one of my favorite dudes in the Bible, David. Last time I spoke, I realized I spoke about David too, and I realized I spoke about the, the slaying and the stones. I was like, well, I guess we're going to learn a lot about David then. We find David here. He has proclaimed that he can beat this uncircumcised Philistine. He's been taken to the king Saul to confirm that he can do this. He left the king's chamber and he headed toward the battlegrounds. But on the way to the battlegrounds, he stops midway at a brook. He bends down between the castle and the battlegrounds and he picks up the ammunition that he's going to need for this battle. The scriptures say that he chose five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in his shepherd's bag. And I have thought about this and I've thought about this for years. I have always wondered why there were five stones chosen at the brook. Because when you read the story all the way through, there was only one stone that came out of that bag. There was only one stone that got put in the sling. And there was only one stone that smacked that big dude square between the eyes and knocked him down to the ground. I've read and thought and prayed about it. And I really felt like I could share some things today about what these five smooth stones could represent in our life. Because I don't know. God didn't say it. And he chose those five stones. <laughs> because, you know, he leaves us to wonder. He leaves us to fill in the blanks. He, leaves, he gives us an opportunity as preachers to do some cool stuff with the scriptures, with the leading of his spirit. So, what I do know is that the scriptures are a tool. The scriptures are a roadmap. The scriptures are there to help us to navigate our lives on the earth. So I know that this particular thing is a lesson. This stop at the brook is there for us for a reason. God could have chosen to take this part out of the Bible. Just like he didn't tell us what David ate for breakfast this morning. God didn't tell us which sandal he put on the left or the right that morning. He skipped all of that information about this very important day. But he stops long enough to tell us that David stopped and chose five smooth stones. So I believe there's an opportunity for us to stop and really feel like what is something that God could be speaking to our life about. He could have just said... David left Saul and went and slung a stone at Goliath. That could have been the end of it, but it wasn't. Why? Five smooth stones. Well, what we do know is David was a shepherd. Let's, let's talk about the things that we do know. We know he was a shepherd. The scripture says that he took care of sheep. And in taking care of sheep in the way that he would do, he would, he would lead these sheep through the mountains and through the valleys, keeping these sheep on fresh pastures. They go to a place, the sheep eat up all the grass, they start wandering off, so he's got to find a new spot where they can all stay together and eat, and this is the life of a shepherd, day in and day out, walking around sheep, making sure they have enough to eat so they don't wander. That'll preach in itself. But, in this duty of wandering the landscapes of mountains and valleys, 
he inevitably ran into some opposition, some things that thought that his sheep would be tasty morsels for their breakfast, lunch, or dinner. And David must have inevitably had to fight off, fend off, and protect his sheep. And what he had upon him was his sling and the abundance of ammunition of stones around him most of the time, most likely. And David most likely found himself confronted with these most likely larger dangerous animals. And he would pick up a stone and put it in that sling and he would sling that joker as hard as he could and most likely he did not hit the enemy every time. Most likely he would reach down for another rock quickly because he had either missed the enemy or he hit the enemy and just made him mad. And here comes whatever situation barreling down on it because he stirred the beast and he had to learn quickly that maybe one shot isn't enough to take care of business. Whatever the case may be, he probably always felt like it was always good to have a plan B because plan A doesn't always work out. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Plan A doesn't always work out. We can trust in the plan, but when we trust, we are engaging in faith. And when we engage in faith, we are believing in something that we actually don't know is true. We can plan, we can trust, we can hope, and we can do our best and we can envision the outcome by faith. But we do not know whether or not that is exactly how it's going to go. For young Christians, this is an easy concept. You believe, and it's like God throws you a lot of bones when you're young in the Lord. You're like, you pray, you do it, God does it. You're like, wow, this really works. Right? And you're like, oh, all I got to do is pray, believe, and go forth, and it all works out, and I'll never have to work or struggle or fight. But man, as you start getting in this thing a little bit, as you start getting down the road a little bit, and, and, the, and the trials start getting a little bigger, and, and, and the realities start getting a little bit harsher, you start realizing that, hey, 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 hey. Maybe I'm not, maybe, maybe I wasn't in the right frame of mind when I was envisioning the, the outcome of this. And I'm way off base. And we find ourselves backtracking, trying to figure out where we dumped out all our stones because we missed the mark. David may have had faith that he was going to win the battle. I bet, I mean, I, you, when you read these scriptures, this dude is like oozing with confidence. Like, like the confidence that Brother Parks came up here with before he, had, he brought me up there. I mean, like just don't get in his way. You are going to get bowled over confidence, right? That's how the scripture reads. He tells Saul, I don't need your armor. You know, he tells, who is this uncircumcised? This dude is, he's got it. I mean, like, give me some of that, man. I need that in my life, right? So he was confident, but I bet you, I bet if we were there today and we were all those soldiers that were sitting there shaking and their knees were knocking because of this big Philistine, but we were watching David. I would imagine that if we would have took our eyes off of that first stone, that we would have seen David reaching straight down into that bag and getting another one ready. 
Scripture doesn't say that's what happened. But I bet you David had been in enough battles to know that the battle is not always won on the first throw. Sometimes it is. Woo! Amen. But I tell you what, you learn more by losing than you do by winning. I can guarantee you that. God's calling us to get some stuff done in our lives. This is where we come in, right? Like, cool story, bro. Where do we come in? Well, God is putting pressure on us. There is a consistent pressure in all of our lives, wherever we are in our walk, whether we're brand new, whether we've been in this for a while and we're still struggling, whether we're in or we're, we've got our head above water and things going good or, or whatever other categories there are, because I don't ever think I've, I've breached those. Um, God is constantly trying to help us to, to move past where we are to get to the next chapter, the next phase. The, 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 what God is calling us to is so much more beyond where we are. Now, we can't let that discourage us, but, but it should encourage us to know that God has got so much for us. And if we will just engage in the battle correctly, we can get the victories that God has for us. But we've got to be willing to engage and engage correctly. He's wanting us to grow and to build and be successful in the things that he's laid in our hearts. And I believe it is his perfect, his perfect will for us to be great men, great women, great moms, great dads, great husbands, great wives. I believe it is his perfect will for us to be thriving in our lives in whatever capacity we find ourselves. I believe that we should wake up and feel just the, the goosebumps upon our life that God has a plan for us and we are engaging in it. I believe we are called to find and excel in our gifts and talents. I'm going to say it again. I believe that we are called to find and excel in our gifts and our talents. Not just to have the personal satisfaction of success, but that we could be a blessing and a strength to others. But to get to these places, we have got to understand that it's going to get uncomfortable. We've got to understand that we can't live in a state of life vacation where there's no pressure and everything is off of us and there's not going to be a fight. There is going to be a fight if we're going to get the things done that God is calling us to do. But we've got, to toy, we've got to tune out the noise of our lives. And we've got to figure out what is most important and pursue. God, help us. God, help us. With all the distractions that we have in our life, God, help us. With all of the ease and the entertainment that surrounds our everyday lives, stones of faith that we can fit into our pouch and we have got to confront the battle and when we do stand 
and move forward to make progress in our lives. And the enemy slaps us back down and we find ourselves face down in the dirt, maybe bloody, definitely sweaty, and definitely discouraged. We just need to shake our heads. We need to get back up on our feet. We need to brush the dust off of us. And we need to look down in our bag and realize we didn't just bring one stone to the battle. We brought many because we knew going into the battle it was going to be tough. We knew it might not have worked out the first go, the first try. So we reach down, we find that stone just right, and we start swinging it again because we will not give up. I don't like the battle to come to me. That's 
When I start smelling the smoke of the enemy's camp, I'm gone. I don't want them to come to my camp. I don't want them to get close to me. I start smelling the camp, I'm going. I'm gathering up whatever I can get. I'm getting ready. I'm going to the battle. Look, not every time. I get lazy, wore out. I get tired just like everybody else. But I've learned that when I see something on the horizon, that I better mount up for battle. And I better take care of it now. Because it's a lot easier to take care of it when it's way out there than when they get in the home front, when they get in the business, when they start messing up all kinds of stuff. Each time that we come up short, we have an opportunity to learn about how to go about it a different way. Every time we do something and it don't work, we have a chance to learn. Nelson Mandela said, I never lose. I either win or I learn. I never lose. I either win or I learn. This poor fella here, has done a lot of learning and not a lot of winning. Elder Malloy, if you haven't met him, you when he comes through, if, if we can get him back here, he had a great saying. He said, I am either up, I am either up, or I'm getting back up. I love that. He's not saying I won't fall. We don't take them lightly. Right. 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 Come on. Come on. Yeah. 
say I wanted to go when he was younger. I said, no, beg me, beg me, beg me. I said, okay, if you buy a safe and the safe goes to my office and I have the key. So whenever they want to play with guns, they come in the office and I'm in the office and they can, you know, not play with their guns, but you know, whatever. Whatever it is they're doing when they take them out and they're not shooting them, I don't know. <laughs> Showing their friends. So he bought me this 357 revolver. 357 Magnum. And it was cool. It's, it's straight black. Pretty. Pretty little gun. I don't know nothing about guns. So to, for me, it's like really, really cool. And it's probably really cool. So you know about it. So we put it in the we put it in the storage room. He comes home with another gun, a 1911. She's 45. Pretty gun. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to go shoot these things. It's been like a year. So yesterday, somehow the stars all aligned, and we went shooting. Like a bunch of us went. Like all the everybody brought all their guns. I'm like, man, I felt like I was like in an episode of like Doomsday Preppers or something. We were like, everybody had bags and guns and like. Ear protection, and I was like, holy cow, what, what are we doing? Okay. So we get out there to shoot, and I, I'm the, I've never shot um, a revolver before. So I'm excited. It's a little short, snub nose, very powerful little pistol. So I get out there, and everybody, we line up, and we're all getting, you know, doing safe, trying to be safe, and everything. And so we start shooting at our targets. And I choose, we have all these different targets, and the target that I choose has like no bullets in it. No holes. And everybody's talking about their own situation. Oh, look what I did here. And I'm just like slinking away. I don't want to talk about it. I don't know. I mean, and I'm feeling some kind of way about it, whatever, you know. I'm like, well, what's my problem, you know? So we go back, but I only had five rounds for the gun, in the gun. I was like, oh, well. But, before we left for the, to go shooting, we stopped by the store. And I said, you know what guys, I want to go shooting and everything, but I have a feeling that we're going to need more than the bullets that we have in our guns to get the things done that we need to get done with these guns. Because really what you need to do when you go shoot guns, you need to make sure you know how to shoot it, you're putting bullets where you're supposed to be putting them. Because if you're not, when you're shooting, you're shooting everybody else but who you're supposed to shoot. Not that we shoot people. So I went back to this ammo that I purchased at the store, and I loaded it up. Again, boom, boom, boom. Not hitting nothing. Again, boom, boom, boom. Not hitting nothing. Boom, boom, boom. And everybody's like, everybody's switching guns now. Everybody's like, ooh, I want to try to shoot your gun. Ooh, I want to try to shoot. I'm wanting to shoot my 1911. I'm getting really excited. I'm wanting to shoot that. Sam's got a new gun. I'm wanting to shoot that. Gio's got a gun. I'm wanting to shoot that. We got a new shotgun. I'm wanting to shoot that. I have a carry gun that I, that I carry. I always want to, whenever I go to the range, I always want to shoot and make sure I'm comfortable with that. And I'm not getting into none of this because the gun I have is not, I'm not doing what I got to do with it. And I started feeling some kind of way. I started questioning myself. I started wondering, like, did I lose my ability to fire or whatever? And everybody's like, what are you doing? Why are you, everybody's shooting all these other guns? And I'm like, no, I'm going to figure this gun out. And finally, I just got really frustrated and I started, like, really looking really close at the gun. And I realized the back sight was broken. And it was moving around. So every time I fired it, the sight was like... <laughs> And so every time I shoot the ball, pew, 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 pew. I was like, oh! I set that gun down. I grabbed the 
1911, put some holes on target, and I said, whoo, thank God. I thought I was about to get beat useless in the apocalypse. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, don't give me the gun. Y'all saw what happened last time, you know? So I, I was able to put rounds on target, and I felt a lot better. And now I know what the problem was with my gun. But first of all, if I would have quit after the first five rounds, I would have never understood what was wrong with my gun. I would have never understood why I couldn't get the thing done that I was trying to get done. I couldn't understand why when I aimed at something I couldn't hit it. Because I only gave myself five rounds to do it. But I had the forethought, and I'm not blowing myself up. I mean, I really didn't think we are going to use all these rounds. But I had the forethought to think it might take more than what we got to get the job done. Bought those rounds, and I was able to understand what the problem was in the mission. I was trying to get something done. I, could, I couldn't get it done, and I had enough plan to, to go all the way through. So, I did not ever hit the bullseye with that gun yesterday, but I know how to take my gun home, fix the sights, and I'm gonna come back, and I guarantee you within a few shots, I'm gonna get it. But I had enough stones in my pocket to be able to figure it out to win the battle. This is where it gets a little intense. We need to stop having temper tantrums every time our plan doesn't work. Pity parties, throwing a fit, getting grumpy, getting down. All the things that come along with the negative response to failure. We're going to fail at things. Things aren't going to work out. And we need to quit being immature and staying in that place. Look, when you get hit, you get knocked down. The, I, I don't judge anybody who when they take a good punch, they, they, they land on the ground. I was like, oh, that must have hurt. But I'm not worried about the punch. I'm worried about the response. I'm always wondering, how is this person gonna take getting punched in the face? Are, do they care enough about the mission? Do they care enough about this thing that they're fighting for that they're willing to get back up and try again? Do they care enough? We need to quit living on the ground. We need to get back up on our knees, shake off the dust, and reach back into our bag of stones. Well, I tried. I tried. I tried. It just didn't work. I can say this like this because I would never say this to someone's face. But I can say this right now and close my eyes. I tried and it didn't work. Oh. <laughs> Woe's me. Oh. Look. I guarantee you anybody worth their salt is going to give you a few minutes of grace with that mentality. And then they're going to continue to act like they're giving you grace. But they're walking away shaking their head. 
Uh, this person's broken. Oh, I can't. It's too hard. Oh. Look, everybody can't do everything for you. Okay? Everybody can't do everything for you. We as a church are here to uplift, to strengthen, to help. But we can't learn the lesson. We can't figure out what's going on in your situation. Nine times out of the ten, I don't even have an answer or a solution to the problem that someone is bringing to me because I don't know all the dynamics going on. I know some biblical principles that we can talk about, and one of the strongest and the best is when we fail, we get back up and we try again. Whatever that means, whatever that looks like, we try something is a direct reflection of how much you actually care about it. You can tell me all you want to tell me, but your actions speak way louder than your words. If, if at the first little resistance, you cower and walk away, there needs to be some strengthening of the inner will. You need to figure out why you need to be doing this because you're not doing a good job. Look, failure is part of it. It's fine, but we can't quit. Okay, quitting is 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 the is the part where this thing gets real bad. Okay, it's not being in the battle. We're all in a battle. Okay, we're all in a place of something going on. None of us are exempt from that. Everyone in this room has got something going on in your life that you're facing, and hopefully God is bringing it to the surface. What I'm talking about, and He's He's putting some stones in your pouch right now. He's giving you some thoughts and ideas and ways to go about looking at your situation a little different. To try, try again. It's not over. The Bible says as long as there is breath, there's hope. It ain't over. It ain't over. Open up your bag. Pour out the, pour out the dust burnings and fill that thing with stones. And let's give it another shot. Look, I know I'm being pretty the edge of being a little bit too negative and, and judgy. I understand that. I, and I thought through this already. And I apologize at whatever level I need to. But we also do need to give ourselves grace. We need to give ourselves patience. The Bible says, in your patience, possess ye your souls. And it's not just talking about patient with the kids. And it's not just talking about patient with your wife or your husband or the guys on the job. It's patient with yourself. Patient with yourself. Acknowledge that yes, there was failure. And then move on past that and be like, it's okay, I'm growing. It's okay, I'm learning. It's okay, I'm gonna figure it out next time. I am going to reap if I faint not. We need to hope for the best, but we need to always have a backup plan. And the last thing here that we got to bring up 
Because if we don't bring this up, then God will be very disappointed in me. <laughs> we also need to realize that this is not all on us. We are not in this alone. Amen. David did his part. He, he proclaimed faith. He went to the brook, he gathered his stones, and he went to the battlefield. And then he said this, 1 Samuel 17, 45. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with the sword and with the spear and with the shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defiled. We're not just going to God with our motivation, strength, and determination, and gumption, uh, because the hype man got us all excited. No, but we're going to, to our situation. We are facing our challenge in the name of Jesus Christ and with his help. We have an up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, be a start in our corner. We got a secret, not so secret code, so we can face life, not just with three chances and that's it, but God has given us opportunity to put in the cheat code so he can give us some extra strength, he can give us some extra energy, he can give us some extra whatever we need to get up and face the battle, to jump over whatever needs to be jumped over, to knock down whatever needs to be knocked down. God can do it. If we'll just let him in, if we'll just say, God, I need you, God, I've been trying myself.
He plays one life, two life, three life, done. And I say, you know, buddy, there's a secret code. I just want to share this with somebody this morning. You don't have to keep living life. One, two, three, you're out. There's a secret code. Some of y'all today in here are way past that. You, you've done that. 
but you don't have any stones in your bag. You're tired of fighting. You know exactly what I'm talking about when I bring up these issues or challenges where you've stopped because it got too hard. It's okay. I want to give you grace today. I want to give you some space to say it's okay to stop. It's okay to be tired. It's okay to have to take a break every once in a while from facing these things. But we cannot live on vacation. There is a fight to be fought. And there is a God there to help us. And we have got to stand up to those things so God can help us do and be the things that he has called us to be. Let's face this challenge, hoping it will be taken out with one burst. But remember, when we go into it, we need to be prepared for battle. Because it's always not, not you're going to walk away from here excited, hyped up, ready to face your challenge. Just remember, whatever you're deciding to do, whatever step you want to take, it might not work out that first time. You need to be ready for that. You need to be ready in your head and know that you might have to dodge a couple, take a couple, to give a couple. In your patience, possess ye your souls. Be patient with yourself as we learn and as we grow together. Let's find a place to pray here today. If we can get some music to help set the atmosphere of prayer. If we can just find a place to pray and allow God to use this moment in a spiritual way to reach down into our hearts and minds and do the things that need to be done in our lives. God, only you know. God, only you know. Only you know the things that we face in our own lives. God, only you know the stopping places. Lord, where we've gotten tired or we've gotten scared or we've gotten whatever emotion that's caused us to stop fighting, Lord. Help us in this place. Like Elijah, Lord God, I pray that you feed us supernaturally. I pray you speak strength into our spirit. And I pray that you give us the motivation, the energy, and the strength to face whatever it is we need to face once again. If there's someone that needs to be brought into my life, Lord, help me to be open to that. Lord, that they may be able to speak, Lord, into my situation and help me. God, if it's just a matter of submission, and I don't want to submit because I just don't understand, God, help me to move past that. Trusting and believing, God, that you're able to do things beyond what I can see and what I can feel and what I can touch. Lord, fill this place with faith today. Faith to believe that we can get through the battle and that we can reap if we fail not. Lord, God, help us in this place. Help us in this place, Lord, to try you and see that you're good, Lord. Lord, help us, God, to submit fully to you, Lord, whatever it is you have in store, whatever direction, whatever road it is you want us to take us down, to help us, Lord, to trust you and just to go, believing, knowing that you're going to keep us and help us along the way. Holy, holy King of kings, creator of the heavens and the earth, we reach out to you today. We reach out to you for your supernatural power and ability to reach into our lives and strengthen us and help us, Lord. Give us, Lord, a taste of understanding for this place in our journey, God, so that we can do what you're calling us to do with confidence mixed with faith. Holy King, we reach to you and love you, God. We submit to you. Wash us, Lord, clean of any negativity. Wash us clean of any unholy thoughts. Lord, help us, Lord, to be only filled with you. Guide our mind, Lord. Guide our mind and our thoughts, Lord Jesus. Give us visions of success, Lord Jesus. Combine that with supernatural passion to get the job done. Holy King, Holy King, no situations too big. No situations too small. God, you can handle
hide any distractions in our life that are causing us not to be as effective as we need and could be. Holy King, Holy King, Holy King, Holy King, we reach to you, God. Yes, God, and
was seemingly good, bad, was seemingly good or evil, all things work together for good to them that love God and are the called according to his purpose. Amen. Left, right, wait, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right. Be a start. <laughs> Better known as repent. Be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sin. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. That's our code. We won't use the word cheat because we're talking about the one true God. And there is no cheat in the one true God. He is true. He is true. And if we're going to make it, we need that code to be able to make it. So thankful to Reverend McGordon for encouraging us today to try again. To try. Does that encourage anyone in the house? That when you stepped in and you may not have thought you could make it, but now you've been encouraged that you can try again. And we don't place our win in the victory but we place it in the battle. If we just show up for the battle, I connected that with the two messages. I know that we have our, our first service is an actual service. It's not totally connected with this one. That's a service in itself. But I had the opportunity to hear both of those preachers. And one told me about the difference between a rave and an ambush. And Reverend Midgarden brought that up when he talked about victory. Victory for us as the saints of God, we have to know the devices of the enemy. And we have to form a raid and not wait for an ambush. Not wait for an ambush. Yeah, we might be in the right location, but we also want to have a little bit of control of what happens during that time. And so that's why we need to be prepared for the battle. We, we can't be just expecting that we're going to be victorious. We won't ever see the enemy. He won't touch us. I'm telling you, if you live for God, the enemy going to try you. If you're truly living for God, the enemy going to try you. And I'm so thankful that we've got people of God that are in the house that will allow God to speak to them. And this is not your traditional church. It's not your traditional church, as Reverend uh, Mick Gordon was saying. This, this, this may be scary to some, but I'm telling you, the power of the Holy Ghost is in this place. If you didn't have it before you showed up and you leave with it, you know you needed it. Even if you were scared of it. Amen. Amen. I'm, I'm thankful for the Lord and what he's doing in life, church. We have several things that go on here. We're a community church. We reach out to our community. Not only that, our church reflects our city and our community. If you look around, the folks that are in here are the same folks that you would possibly see in Walmart. I love that about church, that the folks in your city come right here to your church. And uh, I was always told that that's something that uh, we have to be intentional about and so that's why we are a community church we have several things that are going on throughout the week life in focus on monday 
our midweek service that each and every one of you are invited to. On Tuesday, we have pre-service prayer. This is a praying church. Prayer is how we communicate with God. And it's two-way communication. We send up some prayers and the Lord answers. May not be exactly how you want it, but he answers us the way we need it. So we have midweek service on Tuesday. Wednesday, prayer again. Uh, we have prayer on conference call at 6.30. Spiritual warfare Bible study on Wednesday, on Zoom at 7.30 and in person. On Thursday, this is a change for the schedule, and that is Mommy and Me is on Thursday at 10 a.m., and they calling it Let's Get Messy in the youth room. So right here, uh, 10 a.m., Mommy and Me, uh, get with Sister Fowler on that. Hyphen on Thursday, Singles with Purpose. On Friday, I heard a whoop on, on the hyphen. Sister Christy, 6.30, she wasn't going to let me get past that one. 6.30 p.m. in person or in Zoom, Sister Christy facilitating that hyphen. Uh, ministry on Thursday. Friday, Single with Purpose, 6 p.m. Sister Jaqueen in person and also Saturday, prayer again. We're praying church, 8 a.m. right here in person. Show up for prayer. We need that connection with God. And finally, Saturday, uh, this, uh, this month, our Foster Care and Whole Food Bank is this week. Uh, versus the uh, third Saturday of each month uh, because they all went to the women's conference called Oasis and found out how worthy they are. Amen. I even got to listen in on it and felt that I was a little worthy too. Amen. Would you please stand with me? For those that are praying in the altar, don't allow this dismissal to affect your prayer time. If you're praying in your seats, reach out to God. Continue where you are to allow the Lord to reach you. And if you don't have the code, before you leave here today, get with some of us that are here, some of the saints, our prayer team, our ministry team. And if you need a Bible study, we'll give it. This is, this is what I love about a Pentecostal apostolic church. There may be other churches out there doing it. I don't know about it. But right here in this church, if you need a Bible study, you get it today. If you need to repent of your sins, be baptized in Jesus' name, and you need someone to pray with you, stay here with you, until you receive the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, this is where it happens, right here. We don't schedule you for baptism. You want to get baptized? It happens today. Amen. Uh, we don't wait because we feel like it's that important for your soul. Amen. We're going to pray for over dismissal and over the offering right now. Lord, we ask that you would bless each and every one of us that are here and in this building today. There's nothing that we have, oh God, that does not already belong to you. Oh God, as we give today, we'll give from our hearts. We'll give knowing that all that we have belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. You gave all when you gave your life for us. And Lord, for that, we can benefit in holiness. We can benefit in salvation. We can benefit in this gospel message going out, Lord, and drawing more in to your kingdom. Bless this offering abundantly that it will bless each and every ministry of this church.
Oh God, and in return, it'll bless each and every home. Oh God, I ask that you would protect and keep us as we go. Let your hedge of protection around us. Let angels go out before us. Protect and keep our pastor and sister Crutchfield until they return. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name. If you would come, give in the offering. As you give in the offering, connect with someone that you have not met before. And welcome them in to life. Welcome them in to life. In Jesus' name, bless you.